Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? I, I, I also want to talk about um, that fifth starter, because uh, I do think this is like this is a bigger decision that they're going to have to make, and it's going to kind of set the reality for their identity moving forward. Right? You can adjust over the course of the game to which player comes in for what and and who plays what role in the rotation, but the way that you start games, especially with a team with these kinds of expectations, really does matter and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for those who, you know, maybe haven't watched as much though, if you're watching this, I would imagine you've watched the games to this point, but the Lakers essentially have three options, right? It's Vanderbilt who brings the, the, the perimeter defense that is kind of lacking across the rest of that starting group. You have Rui Hachimura who is, uh, more offensively inclined and is a, you know, is, is the kind of guy that you throw the ball to with seven seconds or so on the shot clock yeah. and can go out and get you that bucket. And then Torian Prince is kind of a good in between where he's better, I think defensively than Rui, but not good as Vanderbilt. And he is better offensively than, than Vanderbilt, but isn't quite the kind of player to, you know, in terms of raw talent that Rui is on that side of the ball. Um, is there a direction here that, that you would want to go in above the other two? Yeah. So I've I've kind of ruled out Rui, honestly. Like I, I think and we saw it in the first game as well, even though Austin and LeBron, you know, didn't play. I think like relegating him to like a catch and shoot option, I think you just don't get the value out of him. Like you saw him last night come in and just be a flamethrower, right? Comes in, takes a three, is able to get in the post and take his fadeaway and just getting in an offensive rhythm where he doesn't have to worry about anything else. He just goes and gets his baskets. And I think that's what that second unit allows him to do. I've leaned towards Vanderbilt here. I just think like if he's not starting, Anthony, where is he playing? Like like mm-hmm. if you don't start Jared Vanderbilt, you, we just talked about we don't want him next to Jackson Hayes. Um, and then like his main role on this team is defensive kind of. Uh, he's our perimeter defender. So whoever that guy is, whether it's John Morant, Brandon Ingram, Luka Doncic, like all these guys who kind of 
are on ball players like that's the guy you want to throw at him like hey full court press him you don't really have an offensive you know role or uh responsibility that you have to worry about so just go be a defensive monster go uh like he won games for us last season as an offensive rebounder like that comeback in dallas it was all vanderbilt's offensive rebounding his defense on luca that like changed that game and i think yeah. it'd be nice to get an identity and i've been on the vanderbilt train but like I took a ride on the Torian Prince one last night. I was like, man, this isn't bad either. Like, this isn't, this isn't <laughs> terrible. I've been, I don't know when I've last time I've been on a train, but like the Torian Prince one wasn't bad. Like, it was a nice ride. The seats were comfortable. You know, the like having that much spacing around where like it felt extremely modern. Like, uh, they like they were helping one pass away, and LeBron's like, oh, this is way too easy. Like, he just threw a nice little pass over to Torian, and that's what he does. He he can um, attack off the dribble in terms of attacking closeouts. He's going to shoot 40% from three as he's already, you know, promised Laker fans promised us. And he's just a, just an NBA pro, which is nice just to have guys who just are absolutely just even league average NBA players. And Torian might lean a little bit over, but um, that's where I'm at. I would still lean Vando because I just don't know where you play him if he's not there. And I'd like a little continuity from last year, but and I think we have enough shooting and shot creation to where he can kind of be the screener, especially if AD is going to shoot more jump shots this season, even if it's not six threes a game. Um, but I, I lean Vanderbilt, but I wouldn't be mad at Torian either. I think those are awesome options to to have for for Darvin to choose from. Yeah, it. The thing with Vanderbilt is that, uh, like, the reason that you play him is to put him on the other team's best perimeter player, or probably just generally best player, right? Because, sure. um, like, you don't really want either AD or, or LeBron guarding the other team's best player. You certainly mm-hmm. don't want D'Angelo Russell on the other team's best player. And and if it's Torian Prince, like maybe you can play him, put him on like the bookers of the world and try to kind of survive until Vanderbilt comes in and 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 is just kind of like that that like live wire that you throw out there to really kind of muck up the game if you need to. So like maybe I could I could kind of get it with Prince in that regard. Um that said, I so essentially it's it's the it's the decision between do I care more about defensive rhythm or offensive rhythm to start the game, right? And mm. I I kind of I kind of don't necessarily love the idea of telling Prince or Rui, "Hey, we need a we need a pickup on offense. Can you like go out there and like hit three threes, please?" Cuz remember we tried doing that with with uh with Malik Beasley, and it was just always it was just it's just it's hard right. to ask that of a player um, who like isn't hardwired to do that already. And uh, I, I kind of think with with Prince, if you let him start alongside LeBron and AD and Russell and Reeves, that's a really difficult group to guard. And like at the very beginning of all of these games, I feel like more often than not, the offense is going to be clicking right from the get-go. And yeah, yeah, the other team's offense will be going better than if you had Vanderbilt out there. But I do like the idea of Vanderbilt being like your cayenne pepper that you just throw in there and, and really spice things up. And hey, Booker hit you know, four of his first five looks here, and he looks to really have it going. Vanderbilt, go out there and play like a freaking madman. Don't worry about foul trouble because at the end of the day, like you have two other guys at your position who can step in and be like relatively okay. And, and, and really kind of screw things up. So the more I talk about it, the more I, I kind of, and again, 
like we, I like the idea of forming a strength or, or forming your identity off of your strength. And this team's strength is on the offensive side of the ball. This team is going to be right. really difficult to guard. And, and I like the idea of, yeah, we're just going to lean into the offense with like some consideration for the defense here. Prince isn't terrible defensively. And I think he'll compete well enough considering all he has to do on the other side of the court is stand in the corner and come off the occasional screen. Um, sure. I, I, I think, I think the more I think about it, I, I think I'm leaning Prince. Yeah, that, that that's fair too. I think Prince has just been, I mean, Prince has been, he's similar to Jackson Hayes to me where he's better. I think he's a better just overall player, but he's just been in the same role for like six years or seven years, however long he's yeah. been in the league. Um, so like he's kind of perfected that role. There's no, like, like he's not going to be Patrick Beverly or Dennis Schroeder be like, oh, let me run some pick and rolls. Like, that's just not – like, Torian's not going to call for the ball ever. He's going to stand in the corner. He's going to run baseline to baseline if you want him to um, and attack closeouts and get to the basket and um, just, like, be able to continue any advantage that a star has created. Um, but I, like – again, I would still lead Bando just because I just think it complicates, like, where you play him after that. Um, I just like starting the game off with some defensive identity, and I think, like, that's a lot of – defensive responsibility for ad to carry i think and, and mm-hmm. torian i think is fine i just think like you see his like physical limitations as well i think like on, yeah. you know you saw it in the first game as well i think jonathan kaminga just went through his chest um and i think that's just places where you know he has trouble but i think that team would score a ton of points for sure like i like i don't know how you would guard that if prince you know delo and austin are on like it's that's an offensive machine. I just like, I, I would like Vando out there. Cause I think we have enough shooting to where like, you can't just, you can not guard Vando, but at least like, I think there's ways to at least uh, leverage that into like handoffs to D'Lo and Austin, who are going to be way more volume three point shooters. I think than they re- even were last year, um, but I like Prince as well. I wouldn't be mad at that. He's a fantastic off ball player. And for the role he's going to be in, it's very specialized to what he's perfected for the last five, six years. I, also like the idea of Vando and Rui playing together on second units. Like mm, I've seen you, I've, I've seen you try to try to go for I'm, this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to try I'm, at some point, this is going to be spoken into, into existence, but we never saw them together last year. And um, I think part of that is like, there was so much going on that like worrying about another combination was not really in the cards for ham with everything that they were trying to implement, like heading into the postseason. But this year, though, I would like to see Vanderbilt kind of handle the the perimeter and and let Rui just kind of beat the crap out of somebody else on the interior. And you know, if there, if you have Jackson Hayes, like the the spacing there can be kind of clunky. Maybe there, mm-hmm. if you have Vanderbilt, you can you can get away with uh, uh, Wood, you know, defensively and and those limitations. Uh, I have been kind of surprised, and I'm. I shouldn't be surprised at this because his height is literally listed, but Vincent looks tiny out there. Like he looks really, really small. <laughs> um, and, and like, I think we saw it on a couple occasions, even last night where there were, you know, there was an opportunity there for somebody to just kind of rise up and they didn't even like see him. He was down somewhere <laughs> around their belly button when they, when they finally elevated. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. 
A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. And I kind of like the idea of having Vanderbilt and 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 Van uh, Vanderbilt and why am I blanking on his? I just said Henry. Vincent. Yeah, no, Vincent. I like oh. the idea of of uh, Vanderbilt and Vincent out there together because like they both are going to get after it defensively. It's just that Vanderbilt isn't as limited physically you know, in terms mm-hmm. of raw length as, as Vincent is. And, you know, even if the, the, the spacing is kind of clunky and I would prefer not to see, you know, full five man bench lineups as much as we did last yeah. year. Um, but in the case that you are going to see it, a group of like a group of Vincent, Christie, Vando, Rui, Hayes slash wood. And you just like, defend your ass off and get out on the break. And, and did you ever see the movie 300? You probably didn't. I've heard of it. The guy with like those guys running or something like with the sword or something like that. Green. Yeah. I, so there's a scene in there where he's like, you know, cause essentially Spartans were like these, you know, in extreme militant, super, focused mm-hmm. and disciplined that they were these soldiers that like followed every order to the letter of the law and survived okay. as long as they were able to in that situation, because they were that kind of discipline. And then there was this other army that comes in. I think they were Athenian <clears throat> and the narrator was like, ah, oh, the Athenians, they are so much fun to watch because they just completely fuck everything up in the most <laughs> terrible and awesome ways. And I kind of feel like that identity with that group of, all right, the first five that you saw out there were technicians, right? They were just Mm -hmm. engineers. They were just absolute snipers all over the court, executed your asses off. And then when we go to the second unit, it's a complete change in pace. And these guys are freaking nutcases. These guys, <laughs> these guys over here are going are to come in and absolutely fuck up the game in the most beautiful and terrible of ways. And, and I kind of like that identity for that second unit. That's generally the, the identity I like from most second units. And especially yeah. here with that group being so young, long, athletic, kind of spunky. I, 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 yeah. that's kind of the, the more, again, that I kind of talk this out. Uh, that's what I would prefer to see on opening night. You, you basically have like your mature group, right? Like very solid, just going to run every set, going to dissect you. And then off the bench, we're just running or free flowing. And I think Gabe yeah. fits into that, right? Gabe is a very much, uh, he's going to be an electric player where like some nights he has 30 and some nights he has four. Points. We have a like, comment here. Zangerstein. I, the Persians were the bad guys. They are not the person that, that like, the Athenians helped. That's that's what I was talking about. But anyway, sorry. 
yeah that's yeah I, I wouldn't be able to help there at all but um <laughs> <laughs> that would be zero like years in that isn't that a bowling thing like was that a bowling movie <laughs> oh man yeah uh, that's on my list i guess oh yeah whenever, totally whatever whenever you know movie came out like 20 years ago i think i, I think literally came out 20 years ago somehow okay, yeah. it's on your list <laughs> there's a few on there that you know i just haven't got to yet um but yeah like having a mature lineup and then like just a rugged transition you know run you run you off the floor which i think hayes fits into Gabe Vincent too, and I can't believe we went this long, Anthony, without talking about Max Christie. I am so excited to watch him kind of develop and become just like this rotation guy. He's become a pull-up three-point jump shooter in one season. Like I have no in like one summer. I'm not sure how he added that, but he comes off screens and he looks mature. And um, I love him with that second unit. I think Cameron is going to have a hard time, you know, beating him out for minutes. Um, and like he's another guy, Anthony. Like we we talk about continuity. And like I was listening back to our, you know, when the season ended podcast, just to to kind of reminisce about that time. And I was like, and we were like, yeah, we want continuity in the summer. And we didn't really, you don't really think of Max Christie in that, but like you watch Cam Reddish play, and then you watch Max Max Christie play. Like Max is like he's been in this system. I mean, he only knows Darvin Ham as a coach, so he doesn't really have any other experience. But like he's been in the system for a year, and you watch him come in, he's like, oh, this is where I get my shots from. Like I come off this screen, this is where my mm-hmm. pull up is coming. This is where my corner three is coming from. These are my defensive responsibilities that they've been, you know, hammering into me since you know last season during the whole playoffs. So I'm excited. I think Max is going to be a big part of that second unit too, where. I think he's our most athletic guard. Like, if you look at our roster, Max is, like, our most athletic Oh, for guard, sure. Yeah. Right? And, like, he's almost like a power guard on this team to where, like, he needs to be your enforcer in terms of a defensive guard. And so, like, I want to see him play in that unit. But, yeah, that's a fun unit where they can run up and down. I think that's going to be a LeBron-led kind of team where, like, Gabe is the, yeah. you know, off-ball secondary kind of creator guy. Um, but LeBron's been off-ball a lot. Last night, there wasn't a lot of pick and rolls for LeBron. It was a lot of D'Lo, Austin, and Gabe, and LeBron kind of just fitting in, which I expect him to get more possessions. But I like that. I like that. Get a running second unit, kind of just keep the lead or extend it um, with, like, offensive production. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I I, I saw somebody else make the point that, like, the the second unit is probably going to have to feature a little bit more LeBron because um, Mm – like I do still like Vincent as the pickup. Um, I do think he there is going to be uh, value there. Um, I am kind of kicking myself for ever wondering who was going to start between him and D'Angelo Russell. Like some of those takes oh, have no. aged like 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 milk in the middle of the summer in in Vegas. Um, but but I I you know. I think he would really benefit from being a secondary creator, less so than mm-hmm. a than a primary in in a group. And sure. if he's coming off of your bench, I kind of like the idea of like LeBron kind of being one of your first subs out, and then coming back in with that second group there, and and helping with some of that creation until you know Reeves gets his for his full breather, and you have that kind of weird middle of the game where you have the the jumble of 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 first and second units together again. I um, I know Ham has really kind of liked the the hockey sub kind of thing and and play a full second unit and stuff and I think some of that had to do with 
throwing shit at the wall and hoping something sticks or throwing mud yeah. on the wall and, and hoping something sticks. I don't think you want shit sticking to your wall. Um, but, but I, I, I think this time though, this is a roster that can be a lot more directed, a lot more disciplined. These rotations can make a lot more sense. And, and look, mm-hmm. this is where it's going to be really interesting with him because I think last year he kind of benefited from, uh, from lowered expectations because of the situation that he was coaching in this year, though, those expectations are going to be right there right from the get go. And if he, you know, if he makes the same mistake for like a solid week, you know, or, or, or makes, it makes a decision that kind of rattles uh, the cages a little bit and, and, and annoys the, the, the always calm Lakers Twitter atmosphere. Um, I, I it, that would be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I do kind of think here though, um, with a full camp with a, an identity that, Again, LeBron and AD are bought into, and LeBron and AD trust him. And when that trust is is kind of fed from the top down, uh, I, I I think it makes it a lot easier to make some of those tougher decisions if it does come time to tell Christian Wood, hey, man, until you decide to do some of these small things, you're going to have to sit, you know? And it makes it a little easier to tell Rui, hey, we know we you just got paid, but you probably benefit from from coming off of the bench here or... Vanderbilt, I know that you just got your extension, um, but Prince might make some more sense here. Whatever the decision might be that, you know, is going to annoy somebody because this is a talented enough roster where all of these decisions are going to mean somebody is sacrificing. And and I think, you know, how Han handles that, the decisions that yeah. he's made that he makes, and and if something isn't necessarily working, how quickly he moves off of it, that's all gonna be fascinating to watch. What what do you yeah. think of uh, Ham heading into the second season. What are your expectations for him? Well, to me, just like the playoffs do for players, I feel like the playoffs do for coaches as well in terms of it really accelerates your learning process. Like, I feel like going through a playoffs, like multiple playoff series, which is rare, right? For a first-time head coach, like with that, to start so poorly as he did, had to experiment playing, you know, Russell Westbrook at center sometimes just to survive um, games and, you know, and, and do all these extreme uh tactics to try to survive games like i think the playoffs really showed like he's he's very he can be very tactical he can also be personable like you see how he was able to reach lonnie walker and get him to come in and obviously you give lonnie the credit for the performance but at least darvin ham helping and like having him stay ready um but to me that showed me a lot we're like oh this guy can like his adjustments to me in the warrior series putting Vando on Draymond versus putting Vando on Steph, putting Austin on Steph, putting AD on Wiggins, like stuff that's like, you know, you have to actually outcoach the other team and turn, and like Steve Kerr is a championship coach. So to me, that was impressive. And the stuff he did against Memphis as well, learning like when to change the starters. Um, and then Denver, you know, those games were close as, you know, tough as that is to stay during a sweep. But like, you know, the adjustments to put Rui on Jokic and, you know, all the kind of stuff that he did, I feel like that, uh, I think that showed that he's a very, you know, he can be very tactical and he has the, you know, personality to be able to go to a Christian Wood. Like that should be the other side of this, right? Like his relationship with Christian Wood, like it can be more minutes, but it also can be like, hey, look, I know you from your rookie year. You're not doing, you're not living up to your potential. And also like you just brought up all those extensions. I think that also makes it easier to be like, hey, like you got paid, so you're not playing for a contract. Like we're just doing what we need for the team. Like you're you're not going to play tonight or, you know, this matchup isn't good for you. So um i'm high on darvin i think you know he showed last year that he can 
uh, really adjusts when it matters and, you know, doesn't kind of lose his cool or would um, kind of do things that are out of the ordinary when, you know, when it asks for. So I'm excited for him. And going into year two, have a full training camp, have a roster that makes sense, a team that I think he had some part uh, of building, like at least had some uh, conversations. Like to me, Vogel had zero conversations on the Nurkic for Aiden. Like that tells yeah. me Frank Vogel was not in the room during those deals. So I think Darwin at least has some, you know, input in the in the decisions that are made, which I think is good. I think a GM and coach need to be a GM and coach need to be aligned, or else you get the 2021 Frank Vogel year, or you know, a lot of other situations. So I think I, I'm excited for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly optimistic. Um, I just also remember, like, I think Walton was in kind of a similar spot where the situation around him wasn't great and he didn't necessarily yeah. optimize it either. And then, like, the situation improved and you just kind of looked at it and like, ooh, <laughs> he still sucks. Like remember, remember the first LeBron year? I think he was coaching mm-hmm. the first LeBron year, right? He was, um, yeah. And and like the situation got better, and then you're like, ah, oh. oof. <laughs> <laughs> and even even Magic was like, hey man, we need to fire this guy. Like this isn't yeah this isn't working. Um, I don't think I think Ham is a significantly better coach than Walton, and for the most part, I'm pretty confident that we won't run into that same kind of situation. I just think that because of the mess that last season was expectations with him were so low that him doing anything that helped the situation um, would, you know, made us feel a little bit better about it. But I also recall last season, even given the situations that weren't ideal, it wasn't like he was necessarily helping much either playing Austin Reeves at center. Right. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does here in a season with expectations. Again, I'm mostly optimistic about what he does. I think he is a good coach. And most importantly, and this is what separates him from Frank Vogel, he has LeBron's confidence. He has AD's confidence. He has the full backing of of the um, front office because if they mess that hiring up, that's two coaches that they either screwed up in hiring or screwed up the process leading up to the hiring 
or screwed up their their tenure later uh, with how they did with Vogel and the, and the personnel that they gave them. Um, so I think everything kind of here, I always kind of look for like if I'm if I'm trying to predict outcomes, I'm everybody knows this a big process guy, but I also really look at um, the vested interests of those who are you know who are here, and if all of those interests align for an intended outcome typically that outcome if everybody is talented enough to make it happen is going to happen but if you have some of these interests not necessarily aligning and all of that which again to be absolutely clear they are a lot more aligned this year than they were the past couple of years um i i do think that even if ham isn't like new eric spolstra or whatever <laughs> Uh, I, I do think that there's a, there's a good chance that this winds up working out uh, pretty well for him as well. But um, last thing before we get you out of here and before we let you plug everything that you're working on, uh, D'Angelo Russell is somebody who I find myself like pleasantly surprised about. Um, and you mentioned that he was in command and all that stuff, and, and I completely agree do you see a situation here where he plays well enough that he winds up sticking on this roster beyond the deadline? Absolutely. And I hope that's the case. Like, I feel like you trade, you're trading D'Lo, something went wrong. Like maybe you find the perfect partner, but, and you know, I, I said this before that for some reason, no one can mention D'Angelo Russell without like, it's like his last name isn't Russell. It's, it's a tradable contract. Like, like DeAndre mm. Russell, it's a movable contract. Like that's, that's all anyone says. <laughs> On like, the back of his jersey, yeah. it says movable yeah, contract. Yeah, very, it's very annoying to hear that that as like the only analysis that people give. But no, he looks like and we speak about players in their prime, and that's like a joke, right? Like prime, like there's people like prime Paolo. It's like he's in year two. How is it prime Paolo? But like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> but like you get like that's the point of like signing all these guys like right before their thirty, their twenty seven, twenty eight year old season. That's usually when guys are like really find their way in the league and mm -hmm. i think d'lo is another guy who probably really appreciates continuity and he spoke about that right when the trade happened and you could like tell i remember you brought up luke walton so it made me like remember his like first preseason game after the byron scott era so like they we fired byron scott and then we got luke in and like remember the story was d'lo was jumping around the room when we hired luke um but like <laughs> which i think yeah. every laker a lot of laker fans did when you know, yeah. when, uh, they, I didn't even care who they hired. I was just so happy to, that they fired Byron. Like they could have brought in it. Raj, you and I could have coached, and I'd have been like, "I'm completely outmatched, but I'm not that guy. I'm actually talking. To, <laughs> I'm actually talking to my players. I am a better coach than Byron Scott." <laughs> oh man, uh, like a legend, Byron Scott. I'll just put that out there, but um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so like your legend byron scott and laker legend magic johnson both things with their post playing careers went super duper well <laughs> oh man uh but yeah i remember like it's like for his first few preseason games he was going nuts and it, it was like oh man look at d'lo and i remember at the time like he was like yeah i just feel comfortable i'm in a spot that like obviously they my appreciate coach doesn't and actively I hate me <laughs> And then um he got traded, you know, the next yeah. <laughs> the following oh, summer God. because uh uh for uh Tim Fay Mozgov, which you know we don't speak about. But like yeah, I think like Delo's a guy when you put him in a place for a while. No, he, he didn't get traded for Timothy Mozgov. Oh, to get rid of the contract, oh. right? No. Yes, it's yes. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, he was traded for Brooklyn for Brooklyn. Yeah. Right, yeah. But mm -hmm. it was like it was a sign and it was a dump, I believe, to get 
yeah whatever it was it was a salary dump it was an awful trade in my opinion but like in any in, in any case like um if you put him in a situation he, he in brooklyn as well when he made the all-star game i think like that's another place he probably felt comfortable um but like he's gonna have to show it obviously laker fans are gonna wait till the playoffs and you know that you know stench off the denver series is tough to get off but he looks in control man and him and austin look like not only are they good on the floor but look like they have a great relationship off the court which is cool to yeah. watch like the backcourt be able to kind of blossom together and two guards who are you know kind of do similar things are, are threats in similar ways who look like they really play off each other well so i think Dilo's gonna have a you know awesome season i think like he looks comfortable and darvin ham coming out and saying he's our point guard and you know killing any of uh people's ideas of gabe vincent starting as as you mentioned earlier yeah um, I'm, I'm excited to see Dilo fit in a modern system he's a modern guard and he fits in our modern system so no i hope he's not traded um movable contract as it as it is i hope i hope he's not moved yeah i i'm i i mostly agree with you that at the end of the day like it would be really cool to see like alexis is mentioning this here right it would be cool to see one of the baby lakers like win a championship yeah. here um the kuzma was a baby Laker. no he wasn't in that right the four no, lakers was... in that like sweater picture were clarkson delo bi randall, and randall. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, so it'd be, it'd be, it would be pretty dope to see one of those guys, uh, with, with a championship here and, and look like as, as people who have, uh, you know, listened to this long enough, no, I mourned that D'Angelo Russell trade for like a solid year. <laughs> like, it was not something that I, I ever really got over because I really thought that, uh, he and Lonzo ball could fit really well together in the backcourt, especially yeah. given the player that Lonzo uh, grew up to be, it wouldn't have happened because one or both of those guys would have been in the AD trade, but, but like that, uh, that pairing. And I think we are kind of seeing kind of a version of it, at least offensively. Lonzo is obviously a significantly better defender than either Russell or Reeves combined could ever be. But, but I, I do think though, both guys ability and like Lonzo's, I thought, greatest kind of attribute offensively was his ability to take a quick snapshot while the ball was in the air um being rotated over to him so he made those super quick decisions yeah you look at you look at the way that reeves and delo operate together out there and it's the same kind of thing where if the ball is going from one of those guys to the other they are hitting the ground running with whatever the next decision has to be and it makes that lineup especially if Prince is out there together or, or with them, that lineup is really effing difficult to defend, you know? Um, so I, 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 I'm again, maybe it's confirmation bias because I never gave up on my large adult son, D'Angelo Russell, but I guess now he, I have like a, a large adult grandson in, in, in his, in, in the fact that he has a kid, which doesn't make me feel ancient at all. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I like what I see from him and I do kind of think, um, and I've said this a couple times here on the pod, but when he was signed, and this is where a lot of what you were talking about came from, where he signed and the sentiment, you know, less so from the Lakers uh, because they didn't want this necessarily out there as, as as clearly, but certainly around the league was, oh, yeah, they're signing him because they have to sign him and eventually they'll move yeah. him. Um, now, though, having seen this work, and and I think also having seen the Lakers see D'Angelo Russell work, because um, there are some I think some questions there when he arrived back in L.A. Um, but I think here for for 
you know, this time around, now having a full camp and now maturing to the point where he recognizes what it's going to take so that he doesn't go through another summer like this where the market really wasn't there for him, even though there was money to, to spend on him. Um, I, I think he understands that this is a pretty pretty unique opportunity and, and it's on him to, t- to uh, make the best of it. But um, I have uh, taken up... Well, 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 yeah. I'll just say last thing on, on D'Lo. I, I think like we have like short memories sometimes like over the summer because I don't watch anything else. I went back and rewatched all the playoff games and there's like so many moments where like D'Lo makes the big play that like you forget just because the Denver series but like the Minnesota playing game where he goes on like an 8-0 run himself, right? We lose that playing mm-hmm. game, Anthony. Maybe we don't make the playoffs and then maybe like we're not in game uh, game one against the Warriors where you know, they go on this massive run, tie the game. No one can score, and he does, like, a fadeaway over Andrew Wiggins to ice that one. I believe uh, mm-hmm. game four against Memphis where it's tight and, like, he hits a big three. Um, and then, like, like, there's so many shots where, like, he, like, kill, he like helps our – kills the other team's momentum when they're about to take the game over. And I think that stuff, like, we just lose in sight because the box score is very easily to go, like, oh, he went four for 15, but, like, those four sometimes are massive. And, like, I think that's the stuff that I wish, like, D'Lo – and, like, his defense is never going to be – like, and he even – he's very public about that, which is strange he's to me, speaking, but, like – I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to suck on that in forever. <laughs> but, you know, I, res- I respect that sometimes. He's not like – Look, yeah, even was, Damian was Lillard was like, I think I can be serviceable. <laughs> Damian's making <laughs> – Forty-five million dollars. He's making the GDP of some small countries out there. He's like, I might be able to play some defense, maybe. (laughs) I love D'Lo. I was like, yeah. They're like, I was not working on defensive slides this summer. Don't even think about it. I was not. I was not working on defensive slides or you know helping rotations. I'm not getting any quicker at this stage in my career. And I'm like, dude, you're 27. What are you talking about? When everybody is like entering their absolute athletic peak, and he's like, "Yeah, it is what it is." <laughs> over under, <laughs> over under half a dunk this year for D'Angelo Russell. What do you think? Oh, yeah, he's probably gonna get like a few lay-ins. You know those dunks where like you kind of just put your hand on the rim, like yeah, the warm-up one ones, right? Where like in high school, because yes. you could, you weren't allowed to touch the rim, so you just like. Drop the ball into the basket. Those kinds of dunks. Right, <laughs> D'Angelo yeah. Russell up high and down hard. <laughs> um, all right, man. This has been a blast as always. Um, I always appreciate you making some time, like we said, uh, off camera and, and stuff. It was a blast to have you on on post game stuff throughout the playoffs and. Uh, we're going to be doing some stuff like that, I think, over the course of the season as well. Where else can we find you? Yeah, for sure. Obviously, on Twitter, I'll be rewatching all the games back in my uh, heaven mode of like up at 1 a.m., be able to rewatch games and uh, and all that <laughs> on Twitter. And then um, we have the Lakers detailed pod I do with my friend Brene. We're going to have some stuff on YouTube. And then All Access Lakers is back doing live games as well. So um, we should be back maybe tomorrow, but for sure on Friday, we'll be doing live stuff. And, uh, yeah, excited to be back into the season. Football is over, Anthony, I believe. Sorry about your baseball team, which I think uh, is about Baseball to is over. Football is like in week five. There's no, no, no. Baseball. It's over. It's over. It was last <laughs> week was the last week. I don't want to. The Super Bowl was last week? I missed it? Yeah. I don't want to see it anymore. Where NBA has started. <laughs> 
my Vikings, uh, their best receiver, their best player, Justin Jefferson, just got put on the IR. So they're finally, I hope, going to start like trading off pieces and and tank for a really good quarterback. And uh, I'll break it down. I'll, I'll break down a bunch of uh, Caleb Williams tape with you. What do you, what do you think? I have no idea who that is. I have. <laughs> 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 you could have said any name there. I would be like, all right, yeah. I'm really looking forward to future Viking uh, Hingle McCringleberry. He's, he's going to be really, really good. Sounds <laughs> sounds right to me. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you missed any of this, uh, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We did cross that 1,000 subscriber uh, threshold before the season kicked off. That was kind of my unofficial goal for, for this channel. I appreciate that support there. If you have any questions, leave them in the form of a five-star review on iTunes, and I will get to those as well. And subscribe to the podcast feed where, like, I, you know, if, if you miss any of this, I'm going to break it up into a few uh, episodes for tomorrow, and you can check out all of them wherever you find your pod. So we will talk to you then. And until then, Raj, go watch 300. You can do it. It's, it's right there. No more streaming anywhere. My summer's over. That's it. (laughs) Nobody says that with a smile.